Hello, everyone, and welcome back for another week of Growing With My Fellow Girls. I'm your host, Jack Greenstock, joined, as always, by an amazing panel. I'm going to pass it over first to Spartan Grown. Hello, everybody. Um, thank you, Jack. I'm Spartan Grown. You can find me on Instagram at Spartan Grown, all one word with no spaces. Or if you don't do the social media, you can also shoot me an email at spartangrown at gmail.com. And I can help you with all your cannabis growing questions. Good stuff. We may get some of those tonight from the chat. Next up, Dr. MJ. Hey, guys. I am Dr. MJ Coco from CocoForCannabis.com. I uh, was out of town last week. Sorry I missed the show, but I am back and excited to do today's show. So, go love. We're happy to have you back. Next up, Matthew Gates. Everyone, this is Matthew Gates. I'm an integrated pest management specialist, and I recently did a video about powdery mildew, a deep dove of it. It's biology, it's treatment, all kinds of things to know. So you can check that out at the FCP02 channel on YouTube. Great stuff, as always. And next up, we've got Noah the Gorilla. How's it going, everybody? Uh, yeah, I'm uh, Noah the Grow, and uh, you can find my Instagram there. And uh, Happy to be here. Happy to have you back up. And uh, uh, next up, we've got the American one. Hello, Jack Panel and everyone in chat. I'm the American one. It's great to be here. Uh, I'm the American one underscore with underscore Keens and the IGs. And uh, yeah, looking forward to tonight. Happy to have you back. And if anybody in the chat has questions, make sure to click over to the live chat and tag at Cheap Home Grow. So that way I can highlight them and put them over into our Zoom. And we can go through and uh, grab those questions. Uh, I did have a few topics that we could go into before we get questions because I'm not seeing too many. It's usually just people piling in, saying hello, cheersing everyone, and uh, saying welcome, making sure they're getting live chat. I will say uh, welcome to Weedner DWC. He just barely beat Dr. MJ Coco to the first in the chat, followed by Seed Person One, who's a uh, growing develop punch F three. So cheers to you, Real Red Harris Dog Doctor official. Lots of great people in the chat with us tonight. But uh, the few topics I was thinking about were um, flavors and the strains that they're associated with. So just like today, I had a few different flavors I was going through. I had some strawberry, had some banana, and um, grape were three flavors. And we could talk about some of the strains associated with those and maybe your guys' experiences with flavors and strains. And the other thing that I wanted to get into first, though, was um, more cultivation related. And we talked a little bit about like seedlings and mistakes to avoid and how to do things properly. But um, a lot of talk we've done in the past was about veg and things like that. So I wanted to talk about kind of the in-between the transition phase to flower. So is there anything special that you might do in the weeks leading up to flower or the first week of flower, or is there any uh, nutrients or any lighting changes? And if you're growing a photo period, obviously versus out of flowers, there's going to be some differences. So I guess I'll kick it over first to uh, Dr. MJ and ask, do you have any special things that you like to do either the weeks leading up to flower or uh, in those first weeks of the flip during that transition period yeah for sure um and some of that's just sort of like built into like my schedules so like the nutrient schedule changes then right um well i like to lower the ec a little bit on them during that transition from vegetative into flowering growth um so nutrition and like the overall sort of stress that we're putting on the plants um, I, I try to, to reduce that, um, you know, lots of things to not do right before you flip them, like try not to, to do any heavy training, um, transplanting, 
you know, within a couple of days of, of the flip. Um, and I try to flip pretty gradually. I think that that's probably one of my signature moves is walking the plants into 12-12 instead of sort of jumping them there. So I usually only add two hours of darkness every night until it gets to 12 hours of darkness. Um, after that, you know, you kind of just let them take it easy for a few days and wait for them to start stretching. Um, you'll start to see, you know, pistols popping and the plants will start taking off with growth once they really enter the bolt. Um, that first week, and it's usually about a week from the time, you know, you go to 12-12 to the time that you start seeing pistols and you start, the plants start exploding with growth. Um, yeah, I just try to take it easy for them. Nothing too special during that specific week, but. Uh, so just as a question, because I remember from the past when we were talking about seedlings, you said you do sometimes like to start seedlings under the 24 hour on uh, zero dark cycle for, I think, temperature related reasons and just to get them going. But um, yeah. what's your veg? Do you do like a 20 on, four off, 18, six, 17, seven, or where where do you fall in that? It usually do 18, six. Sometimes I do 24. Um, oftentimes when I'm growing autos, I'll keep them on 24 the whole time until the last few weeks and I'll add a little bit more darkness then. But yeah, 18, 6, 24, I go back and forth. I, I think a lot of it in veg depends on like how big of a hurry I think I'm in. I don't think it makes that much of a difference. But if I feel like I'm in any kind of hurry, I'll, I'll do them on 24. Um, you know, I think there's kind of diminishing returns adding those two hours. Like adding those two hours, you don't get as much more growth as you do going from like, 16 hours of light to 18 hours of light you know or from 14 hours of light to, to 16 hours of light like you keep getting less and less every time that you add additional hours and it, you're not you know getting any less in terms of like the electricity that you're running for those hours so um it's just diminishing marginal returns and it's somewhere in there between you know 18 and 20 um I do like to give them, you know, again, after the first week or two, usually only one, I, I start them on some darkness, but, you know, just to create sort of a rhythm at first, I think four hours is enough. And the difference between four hours and six hours is not terribly significant. Great points. And I was just asking, because as you mentioned, you kind of drop down from, in this case, it'd be like 18.6 or 20 uh, on and four off to like eight six and then 16 eight and then 14 uh you know 10 and so on all the way until you drop down to 12 12 and uh at that point they're gonna start going into that bolt and flower yeah. so that's a great summary of your transition and uh do you have any more thoughts or comments on that before i kick it over to uh next i guess i'll pass it to noah the grower i guess the other one is you know I, I usually do that change by changing the lights off time so lights come on for my plants at 8 p.m. And they come on at 8 p.m. always. Um, so during veg, they were going off on this grow. They were going off at 4 p.m., right? And I was on a 24 schedule. Um, when I changed that, I did it by moving the lights off time up. So it went from, you know, 4 p.m., 2 p.m., noon, 10 a.m., and then 8 a.m. And at that point, they were on the 8 to 8. 
Um, you don't have to do it that way, but you certainly can. And in, in my case, it's, you know, one end or the other, it is helpful to control for your own schedule so things don't move around. Um, I guess the final thought as we're approaching it here is to completely ignore daylight savings time. My, my plants don't celebrate daylight savings time. They, they live in Arizona. And, you know, um, so like when our clocks change, and I think about that in, in this grow and in the spring grow, when you're growing through that, because, you know, if you've got to be someplace or you have a schedule or whatever, just accept the fact that if they've been on 8-8 eight, eight this whole time, they're about to be on 9-9, nine, nine, right? So that's perfect here for me. I, I try to always have my, my lights come on after nine and occasionally daylight savings pushes it forward. And I will because power reasons like the uh, four to 9 PM is so much more expensive. Yeah. I'll just, you know, figure out a way to switch that hour around um, and make it work if I can. But yeah, it's good advice there. And I love the comparison to Arizona because that's where my uh, lovely wife, Greenstock is originally from there. And it's funny because now that we live in California and we do have daylight savings, she's like, why do we do this? Like my whole life, we never had daylight savings. And now she yeah. comes out here and has to worry about the clocks changing. And uh, go through what a lot of America and many other parts of the world do. But I guess next up, we got Noah the Groa. And the question is, um, do you do anything kind of special leading up to flipping into flower, either the few weeks leading up or a few weeks after flip? Yeah, of course. Um, my strategy is uh, a little bit different than uh, the dogs there. Uh, I use, um, I use clones uh, in my bedroom. I do, uh, 20 hours on four hours off that way if i need to kind of like spray something for you know prepare to maintenance or just uh, you know for ipm then i do that also just gives me like you know time to go in there in the dark and just kind of mess around a little bit but uh when i flip i like to go hard 12 12 right away to really trigger those plants into thinking that it's flower time i also let my plants grow a little bit bigger than most people like i'm not going to flip one until it's at least you know, at least three feet, just like we were talking last week because of uh, plant count. So I want to get, you know, a pretty good sized plant. You, know, you should just put two or three under 1000 watt hood, four by four hood. That's, you know, footage underneath it. So that's pretty much how I do it. I also like to, you know, before, before when I was growing with salts, sometimes I would just kind of walk my way up with my nutrient regimen, but now that I'm kind of doing it more with the soil a little bit more stronger and I'm doing organic, I kind of like to just let it do water only for just even a couple days, maybe even three days. It depends because if not, the, the soil seems to be hotter and you can't really give it much. It, even just a little bit for the first couple of days, it seems when the, the soil's got stuff in it, it kind of messes with it till it kind of gets used to it. And that's probably because of that, uh, that shock the plant's going through from the 12-12, but I really have always just I've always done that, you know, really hit it with the 1212. And yeah, that's pretty much what I do. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I mean, it's working for you. Yeah. Says so my connection is unstable. So I'm going to pass it over to Spartan Grown and same question to you. Yeah. Hopefully my connection is not unstable. But uh, I, I guess this is not the greatest way of doing things. But for me, it works really well. And, um, on day of flip, I usually pull my plants out of veg and clean up the bottoms, do the lollipopping. I take all the, uh, and not only do I clean up the bottoms, those are really the only branches I take usually are the bottoms, but I'll take some leaves. I'll, I'll do some thinning of the leaves, not a whole strip or anything like that, but I'll, I'll take some of the leaves 
at that time. And then I put them into flour. My idea, and it's pretty counterintuitive, I guess, because a lot of people say you want to minimize stress. I figure if I'm going to stress my plants, I want it all in one day. Give it all in one day. <laughs> Instead of stressing them in little micro doses of stress throughout their grow, I'd rather just do it all in one day and let them have a stress-free after that. And um, so I do all that stressful stuff right on flip. And then I also change, I give them uh, a dose of the of Brandon's nutrients, the carbon-based nutrients. Um, it's a three-bottle system. And the, the middle one, I forget the name. I think it's just called micro something. But that's the one I give right on flip. I give one dose of that on flip. And then two to three weeks later, I will give one dose of the, uh, I think it's called. K-Humate? K-Humate, yeah. I give them the K-Humate, one dose of that. And I don't use the nitrogen humate very rarely. If I do, I'll use it in veg for nitrogen issue if I think I'm, I'm low in nitrogen. But uh, I generally don't have to use that one. So I'm only using two to three bottles, and I'm only giving them one dose of it each in its life and it's usually in the flower cycle right on flip and then two to three weeks later i give them that cake and um i'm trying to think if there's anything else to oh I, obviously i change the light cycle but i don't do the walking down all the time i go from an 18 6 cycle to a 12 12 pretty traditional i run perpetual under the same light even under the same light the plants could be different ages so my trellising is single trellises per pot so my trellis is is refined to the one pot because I don't want it tied into the other plants that are different ages. And it gives me the ability to move plants in and out too. So if I'm harvesting one plant, I don't have to take down a whole net. I just pull out one plant and put another one in that spot and the trellis net goes with the pot. I think, I think that's the only things that I really change. Everything else is pretty much the same. I just give it water. I'm going to give uh, the American one a chance to answer the question as well. But since you touched on it and we have a question from seed person one, long time listener and a, uh, cool person out there in the community they ask at cheap home grow any tips on putting a scrog net or two up when and how far above the plants etc so spartan you use one regularly i see what are your thoughts on when and uh, how far away do you like to put your scrog and hey spartan can you turn your mic up the crowd is complaining that they can't hear your sweet voice <laughs> i just did like, a little bit of maybe a gain increase or something i noticed I noticed that comment and I just went into Zoom and put my settings all the way to max. And I don't have, I'm looking at the-, the... Ooh, it's, you're getting closer and louder, I think. Okay, so that's- Are you like, joining us from like your ice fishing shed today or something? Yes. Oh, wow, what a deep cut. <laughs> Not as deep as the ice, all right, though, I in Michigan. Microphone. Does that sound better when I'm right up on top of it? Probably for the chat. I can yeah, hear you because I got headphones on, but a lot of the people that listen on the phone, it's going to be okay. loud enough for you to hear. So the question on uh, the question about the trellis net is, is for me, my, my veg, there is no time frame. I don't sit plan on this plant being a veg for four weeks and then flipping to flower. Doesn't affect me in the least. My veg is I keep every strain alive that I want to keep alive in veg. And then it goes by the size of the plant. The biggest plant goes into veg once I feel that that's the size that I want it. So my size is always pretty consistent. It's going in from, from, Veg to flower, my size is always pretty consistent. So I've pre-made my scrog nets on a PVC frame that sinks right into the pot, into the, the soil block. Um, and they're all the same height. And what that height was for me was half the height that I have in flower to use. So I figured out 
what's the tallest I could have my plant and still be the correct distance away from the light and what's half that height, that height, whatever that is for you, is where I set my first net. And I generally use one net. But on some occasions, I have had some stretch. And what I do in that case is just throw in four uh, stakes, four bamboo stakes that are taller than my trellis net anyway. And uh, I just hang a regular standard trellis net, like a plastic one, over that to make my second net. But generally, one's enough for me. And I'm, I'm mostly using it to spread, not really even to spread the plant. It's mostly used just to support the plant. Good so stuff. for me to answer that question is difficult. I don't have a set. No, no, that, that was different for everybody. That's that's a great way for them to work backwards to figure out maybe when to flip. And and it does depend strain to strain. Like a blue dream is going to be different than a old school Afghani land race or like uh Mac one that fetches and stretches tiny amounts. Um, but Noah the Groa, you're also a scrogger, and I know you do some pretty intense training and stuff sometimes before. And uh so what are your thoughts on uh how do you go about getting your scrog set up? Well, first off, uh, everything that Spartan said is what I do too. I go based off of pot si the pot size of the, you know, wherever, whatever. I don't have a set time for veg. And whatever the pot gets, the plant gets, you know, as big as I want it to be, the biggest one goes in. And if it's not big, I have my net constantly at one level. And the same thing that he said, I also have multi perpetual, I have multiple stages. Every single light is a different stage. And I have done multiple freaking stages under one light before lots of times and what i do is is that the plant's not big if the plant is too big i let the net dictate with mine personally so if the plant is too short then i'll put a pot upset the hard pot put it upside down put the plant on top of it if the plant is too big i'll put it in and kind of upside down and kind of squish it and kind of smash it down and or i'll if something pops through i'll either tuck it or i'll tie it down so i let the net dictate all of that my net is probably about three foot and I, it's always that way. So, and then every so often, you know what I mean? Like probably once a year, I'll, I'll, you know, if I take a break, I'll stretch it out, but if not and take it down, but yeah, it, it's, that's pretty much how I do it too. I just, the individual, uh, I've seen people do that with PVC pipe. I've seen people do individual scrogs and I just don't have the time for that, but that's probably more optimal than the way I'm doing it as well. But I just do it because of you know time constraints so yeah and that makes sense and uh the way spartan set up with his city pickers it if you see the setup it actually does make sense because each plant has kind of a base around the outside for his trellis that he sets it in and they all push together kind of well in his little area i, I like how he's got it set up but i also like how you've got your setup now so as long as people get it to work for themselves that's really what matters the most and i wanted to give the american one to jump in uh and answer that first question that we kind of started with earlier which is do you do anything leading up to flower or in those first few weeks during the flip, uh, I guess we'll call it the transition stage that is uh, maybe unique or different to your own process. I don't know about unique or different, but um, I, I make sure, I try and make sure that uh, the plant's roots are totally in the pot so that like it's not, uh, so that it's totally filled and ready to go. Then uh, I'll let it get a little bit dry. And like Spartan was saying, when I put them into the actual flowering room and I have some staggered areas and some I, I um, you know, I do uh, try and fill at one time, but I always go straight to 12 and 12. And um, if I'm going to do any kind of top dressing, I'll do it that first day, figuring uh, it'll take a little while for it to really sink in so that, you know, it won't affect so much the stretch that much. But um, yeah, I strip out the, I strip the bottoms out 
right when I stick them into flour and uh, pretty much what everybody else said. And then I water them. Uh, yeah, I'll water them when I put them, you know, I make sure they're uh, actually, yeah, the day I put them in the flour, I water it in. So uh, that's what I, that's what I do. That's probably a good uh, practice because if, and when the plants start to take off in that early bolt, you want them to have access to water so the roots can, I, I've been told and I believe it to be true that when the plant is stretching as above, so below. So the roots are also stretching out at similarly kind of explosive growth rates during that bolt period. And so you want to make sure that the soil or uh, root zone, whatever you're growing in, it could be DWC, is optimal to allow that growth to happen and let the plant kind of explode and take off. So I think that um, all I have the- something to say about scrogs. I don't, I don't use trellis, but, you know, I think that there's two ways that, that growers can and, and often do. You either use it to spread the plant out or to hold the plant up. And I think that, you know, where you place it vis-a-vis sort of like, and when you place it really depends on how you plan to use it. If, if you're going to use it to, to spread the plant out, then you put it pretty low and, and early and you don't really let the plant grow past it. You, you, you know, hold and use it to hold the plant down, essentially. Um, and, and that's really a scrog. Um, but it's also fair to use a trellis net to kind of like hold the plant in position and kind of like position the various colas out and give them some support. And if you're going to be using your trellis net like that, you know, I think you put it in higher and later um and i think a lot of people end up becoming sort of disappointed because they put in a trellis net sort of low and early but what they had hoped for was something to hold their plant up or you know they they want to do a real scrog but they they put it in too late and high and that's not really a scrog so i I think that you know understanding what you hope to use the trellis net for and again, both uses are, are valid, but they're kind of different. And that really determines how and when to, to add the net. Great point. I see nobody grow has got his hand up, so I'll pass it back to you. Yeah, um, I just had a quick question. Uh, what is everybody's strategy for uh, transplanting? It, do you think that it's bad? And I, I, I've never done it, so I tend to think it is. But do you think that it's bad to transplant? in your bedroom when your plants are in dark? Um, no. Like, during during veg, I don't respect the darkness at all. I, I do most of my <laughs> training during the what would otherwise be the dark period. Um, I often leave, like, the door open. I'll be doing stuff in there. Like, like having dedicated darkness, I don't think, is is really the point during veg. So... No, I, I think it's appropriate to do training and transplanting. Um, transplanting, I would do sort of before lights came on. So, yeah, during the dark period. Yeah, that's I've never done that. And I actually uh, am thinking about doing some transplanting right now and my, and my plants are in dark. That's why I was asking. But another question is, when let's say you're getting ready to flip in like a week. What is the soonest, you know, the latest you'll transplant? Like three days, a week. I always have tried to do 10 days to two weeks, like make sure my plants have at least that to get to the new roots. But 
I have heard of other people yeah. pushing it a little sooner. So I'm just kind of curious what other people's it depends on, on how are. I would say it depends on how tough the transplant was. Um, if it was a well-timed transplant and and you know wasn't too sort of violent on the plants, um, if they're growing again, I always like to see that the plants are sort of growing again. If they're really shocked after a transplant, they'll like stop growing for a couple of days as they kind of find their footing. Um, but you know, if you're seeing growth, I think you can, you can go ahead and flip and that could be as little as two or three days. I was going to say the fastest I've ever done was three days and I didn't see any problem. I usually waited a week just out of a habit. And so I think that it does give them a little bit of time, but like I was saying earlier, when it goes to flower, when the plant is stretching up, I think the roots are stretching out. So even if it didn't completely colonize that pot, I think it's going to do a pretty good job of, you know filling up as much of the pot as it can, depending on yeah. pot size and veg time and plant health and a whole bunch of other things. So there's a, a lot of factors that go into it. So um, I, I, yeah, my theory is just more about sort of spreading out the stress, but it, it, transplanting isn't always stressful on plants. Sometimes plants freaking love the fact that they just got transplanted and, and they're happiest they've ever been when they're just in their new pot. So um you know if the transplant was stressful i'd try to spread it out a little bit longer but transplanting doesn't have to be stressful well often from solo cups to like one gallons i've noticed that even if like you were saying the transplant wasn't stressful and they're just happy to be in the new thing because they have more root zone than they did right. in the solo cup and then they just start growing you can see by the leaves and alternatively like you're saying when there is damage or a stressful transplant not only is it going to stunt or stop growth but sometimes you even see the plant starts to show like damage or like wilting or like weird yeah. funky twisted mutated uh, leaf and messed up morphology that it wasn't showing before so those are all good signs that uh well i guess bad signs that something bad did happen but if you're not right. seeing any of those and you are seeing like vertical healthy green vegetative growth then it makes more sense that uh you're probably gonna be safe to flip but i saw spartan uh unmute over there and i think you might have thought on this too yeah i just wanted to say that i have transplanted on day of flip before and um the plant finished out just fine and everything, but I think that it did suffer as far as yield. It was a smaller plant. And um, so you have to, for, for me, I do kind of a big transplant. Um, you have to, Jack, Jack kind of brought it up, but went through it quick, but I think it's important to, it depends on the size of the transplant. So I'm going a rather large deficit or difference in my transplants. Cause I go from a one gallon pot to what's equivalent to almost like a 12 gallon pot. And so that's a lot of media for your root zone to cover, even in the couple, I don't think the root growth is two months, even in, in flower. I think the root growth for most of them probably stops really expanding after about a month. I think after the bolt, the kind of the roots kind of stop kind of going to it. But um, so it's one of those things was you want to be able to fill that new pot size, ideally, you want to fill it with roots so that you can get everything you everything out of that media. This is speaking mostly for organics too, because, or not just organics, but specifically uh, peat-based media. Whereas if you're in cocoa, this doesn't really apply as much, the pot size. But like you'll be able to utilize more of that pot's nutrition and build more bud if your roots fully uh, fill out that pot is all i'm saying and i noticed that when i did that so i don't i don't do that anymore and i really would like i think it's more ideal to give it a week or two weeks to establish in that pot but at the same time like in everything and growing there's a million different factors and like hey is it 
going to put you back two weeks and you're going to miss a harvest because of it. No, I wouldn't do that. I would go ahead and just transplant it on, on flip if I had to, to get to keep my perpetual harvest. So there's so many factors to make that right decision for you here that uh, it's hard for me to give a definitive. No, I'll never do that again on transplant. Yeah. I sure as hell would do it again because I know that it works and I can still get a harvest. It's just not going to be as good. It's not going to be as, as plentiful of a harvest. Well, and then like your case, you're doing like a one gallon into a city picker. I have two two gallon plants going into an earth box, which is roughly the same size, but my two gallons are taking up so much more. They already have a big root mass established. So when I go into the earth box, there's really only like a few extra gallons of it that are being filled out by. Yeah, roots. you're probably good. You probably transplant right on. I mean, if you had to you transplant right on flip, it'd be fine. Yeah, because they're literally the roots are already hitting the bottom where the sip is. I transplant and it's the easy swap pot. One gallon is technically actually two gallons and um, it is the actual size of the earth box so it goes all the way down to that little grate where the water is so the roots i water it in one time from the top to get everything nice and moist all the way around put the cap on and then it's bottom watered from that point forward and uh it's been extremely successful but if i was doing a solo cup into it or planted seeds into it like i've seen people do with autos and have success with it um, there's going to be a lot longer veg period in that time to help fill out the large pot that it's going into so all those factors Are definitely you, matter. You said that it, um, you noticed that it affected your, your quantity, but how did it do to, to your quality? Quality was the same. I thought the quality was quality just, was just good, but I just had a lower yield, right? Like mm -hmm. what I normally would get out of that plant, I wasn't getting it that, that, that run. And quality just, is always... To, was that just because it was a smaller plant? Yes. Yeah, it didn't, have, it didn't build as big a biomass. It didn't utilize... Right. Soil. Like, if I would have dug that all out and looked up the root ball, I'm sure it would have been way smaller than what I'm using. Do you think the, the bolt got sort of nipped in the bud a little bit? Like, it didn't experience its full bolting because it was maybe re still recovering from the transplant? I don't... I didn't consider that. I don't know. Uh, I, I thought that it was a... a I didn't see any signs of stress really. It, like, it, it just fully took Yeah, off. no, I'm just saying like it only grew fast for like a week instead of two weeks because it was yeah, first week it was sort of still being slow. That's good. I'm kind of thinking. That's possible. Like, that's possible. I didn't notice, but that's possible yeah, okay. for sure. I think Let's sometimes start. when it's it's doing a lot of root development, like it's not going to be bolting as hard because it had so much. Like if you put yeah. a, a solo cup into a thousand gallon outdoor pot, like those guys in Oregon and Northern California yeah. grow into We're in the ground, <laughs> it's not going to fill out the entire pot. If it just happens to be going into flower at that exact minute, it's going to try its very best and it's going to throw roots out as far as it possibly can. And it'll get to be a certain size, but it's never going to be as big as obviously if you budgeted it a little yeah. bit longer and had a larger plant going in. We, you know, one of the reasons that plants do that when you pot them up, I mean, the best, like the best dirt, if you're thinking about it, like whatever your media is, the best cocoa, the best peat is right at the edge of the pot. I mean, and at the bottom of the pot where the roots have access to both the water, the bottom of the pot they love because they have the water dripping down on them from above and they get the air from underneath the pot, especially if your pots are elevated or along the edges of the pot. And anybody that's already done any transplanting sort of knows that's where all the roots grow, right? So when you transplant and you pot up, you've put like all of your roots into sort of, let's say, a less favorable spot in the pot for them to be. And they're like, hey, what the hell? I want to get back out to the edge of the pot. Like they want to find that area that has the better air to water ratio. Um, and they're in the middle of the pot all of a sudden, you know, fully surrounded by media everywhere. It's going to be sort of moister than than the roots would ideally want so 
that's fundamentally sort of what's going on from from a plant root perspective is it's it's searching for the part of the soil that has the best air to water ratio. That's a good point. And you see even with like seedlings early on, um, sometimes when they're trying to reach that taproot down to like the bottom of whatever pot they're in, they're not doing a ton of vegetative growth. They're kind of getting their roots established before they actually start taking off into their vegetative growth. And um, kind of touching back on seed person one's yeah. questions about the scrog earlier, you made a great point, Doc, that some people don't use a scrog as like a true like screen of green where they're going to train the plant out and fill out the entire net with every single like bud site and fill up and really... Uh, brace the plant down with it. Some of them are using it for support. And a lot of the times when I see outdoor grows, um, they have certain plants that are trellised and certain ones that aren't just because like maybe it's the size of the cultivation or the ability for whatever reason to set it up around a certain plant. But oftentimes like when a big windstorm comes or something, the yeah. trellis is really what saves these plants because yeah. the ones that don't have it literally get yanked out of the ground and tossed over like a tree blown over in the wind. And um, it's sad to see. I've seen some people suffer those losses uh, this year, actually, on Instagram, people that I keep in touch with and help out. And so knowing that, you know, certain uh, areas have those chances to have those high winds, it's really important to maybe get those supports set up, even something as simple as just a trellis. I know it looks like some thin little net, but if you secure it well, it gives the plant something to uh, be an additional support system that might literally save your entire grow especially if you grow stuff like gorilla glue which tends to even though it can yield pretty well it snaps over even in uh, ideal conditions because it doesn't hold its own weight it gets so fat so that's uh one of those things that can yeah there's a lot a of strains saver. that do that now that's really how they've been bred right for like big fat resinous buds but like not a lot of stem um and and i i think most growers who have been around a few grows have grown a plant that you know, couldn't support its own weight. So uh, that's a, that's a legit reason to use a trellis net, you know, whether it's just supporting its own weight, like in a tent or yeah, supporting the whole plant from being blown over in a windstorm. Um, but I would just sort of put it out there that that's just using a trellis net. That's not a scrog per se. So, and I think Jack understands that, right? Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I, I I'm, all for either one. Like if you want to go full scrog or if you're just using it for yep. a support system, it can be a beautiful, cheap, easy to implement tool. And uh, the person who asked it, seed person one, uh, was saying, well, they followed up again with like how far away from the net. And I know that they're growing some velvet punch. So I'll give you some advice because there are two distinct phenotypes of velvet punch on the F3 as far as growth morphology uh, height wise. So you've got one that will double in height from the veg height. And then you've got one that will triple or maybe a little bit more, like between triple and quadruple, but much closer to tripling. So um, plan for that. So if you veg for 12 inches, then you're going to get either a 24-inch plant 50% of the time or a 36-inch plant. So have yourself that range that you can train with into your net if you're planning to do a full scrog and, and want it to be the light. It only gets to a, a maximum level and like all of your bud sites, tops are going to be right at the scrog plan for that and um the higher one being the maximum obviously because you can always work with a little bit shorter plant and move the scrogs down if you need to with clever adjustments and you could like with the pvc pipe um i've seen people do like a smaller inner diameter and a larger outer diameter and they have little screws or whatever so uh, kind of like a hurdle on a track you can see the little buttons that you like push and then it slides up like click it's like 
30 inches, 32 inches, 36 inches, whatever. Um, you could do that with your scrog and have it essentially opposite, drop it down, drop it down, drop it down and have it be adjustable. Or people just put like hooks in wood at different levels so they can hang the trellis to the wood based on whatever level the plant is. So there's a lot of different ways to go about doing the same thing there. I think it looked like Tal wanted to jump in there too. Yeah, I was thinking that uh, I've seen I've seen where the people have uh, set their trellis and like the plant didn't even reach it. So you know, I don't know if you could really predetermine if you know the strain, you could you could definitely do that. And I was going to say on the transplanting thing before flower, um, I, like Spartan was saying, that's what I, I like to see the roots come out of the hole at least before I push it into flower. And like, that's probably perfect because as, in the organics in the container, there's only so much, well, you can, be, you know, you can top dress and stuff, but you want to, I want them using that nutrients as most in, uh, uh, when it's in flowering. And I was also thinking about um, if you have plants that get way too tall, maybe you want to, you know, uh, hinder that bolt a little bit so they don't stretch out so much as well as uh, transplanting them that day. Maybe that'll slow it down a little. But also, uh, how late do you guys top? I never topped the plant right before I pushed it into flower, but I've seen where that wouldn't really hurt because the plant is so vigorous that it just makes two like huge buds instead of uh, like where you, where you clipped it instead of um, like really making more branches. But I always like to wait at least a week for uh, to after a transplant to put it into flower. Sometimes three, yeah, it depends, but usually five to seven days. And yeah, I won't, if I'm going to top, if I'm going to do a true top, I won't do it. Uh, I'll wait a week for that to recover usually as well. I did it one time just to mess around. I topped a plant in either week one or two of flower and it still recovered, grew two top colas. Um, so it was more of a vigorous like sativa, I guess. But uh, yeah. I don't know. It's possible. I wouldn't do it with a faster flowering strain and I don't suggest it because I think ultimately it's going to stunt your overall size and it's better to get your, if you're growing photo period plants, I think you are the architect of the plant, especially if you're growing it from seed. Most of them are going to be symmetrical. Um, so you can single top, double top or no topping at all. Do LST and, and literally make it whatever shape you want it um, before flower. So, and I'm with you that maybe a week of recovery time after a top because uh, even as clean as it can be, um, and the plant does start to grow rather immediately after, um, if it's healthy, then, you know, that it's something that you could probably just flip right after. And I, like I said, I've done it during flower, so it, it's possible, but I guess possible and optimal are the questions here for me, at least on these types of uh, questions. Yeah, I've topped pretty close to flipping um i think it kind of depends on what you're topping too because you know i very rarely take the apical top i'll top three or four nodes down on a plant there's already pretty good branches growing there it's not going to just be like two bud sites at the top of my plant i'm going to get two giant ass branches growing out of this plant for the next two and a half three weeks i mean cannabis plants do most of their growing during that bolt i mean i it, most of the plants that I do at least do, um, you know, they'll take their time a little bit and veg and then they just take off. Um, so it, yeah, I think you can get pretty close again. The, the issue with 
with the flip for me, it would just, I wouldn't want to do it if the plant was stressed, but usually topping doesn't stress the plant much. So I wouldn't top right at the top of the plant and expect those top little growth buds to grow out much. But if you want to top three, four nodes down on the plant, go right ahead. I mean, if that's what your training sort of calls for at that time. One last thing too, and it's, I don't think it even, I almost didn't mention it because it's not, I wouldn't even call it a top, but if you have a, a plant in flower, I've done this too, where you have one, you're, you're trying to flat, you're trying to make a flat canopy, but maybe you get one that shoots up high. I will not reduce the light. I'll let that light fucking beat up that one. If it starts to bleach, I'll just cut, cut it off. So I will take it off, but I'm not trying, it's not in any way, shape or form for the reason of topping other than I'm sacrificing that bud. So the rest of the buds get the, the amount of light that I want to get. I just try and yank those puppies down. If it starts getting up and unruly, I'm like, dude, you're as soon as I see it an inch or two above, I just like go in there and start bending it and pulling it and tucking it and doing everything. Like you're not getting too far above the rest of them. Like yeah, I'm going exactly. to make this canopy flat. You are going to curve to my will. You plant. <laughs> I 100% agree with that though, Spartan, like I'll sacrifice the one bud to, to save the whole garden. And I mean, especially if the alternative is dimming the light, like as soon as you start dimming the light, you lower your harvest potential, period. I mean, and you're going to be lowering your harvest potential across that whole tent just to like save that one cola from getting bleached or maybe a little bit crispy. Um, I had a patch. I, I sacrificed a whole patch with my Blue Dream because I was growing with a 315 CMH. I yeah. couldn't dim it. The Blue Dream was insane. It was 4X plus the veg height. And it was just, it filled out every square centimeter of the entire room, like above the light, behind the light, everywhere. So there was a section directly under the light. And like, I could have gone in there and cut off the bleach part each day, but then a new part would have grown up and just gotten bleached again. Right. So I just sacrificed. And then what I ended up weighing it all out it was like less than a half an ounce of stuff that was actually bleached. But like the yield was insane because like you said, I allowed the light to run at full capacity. Even if I could have dimmed it, um, I think I would have just allowed it to crank and let that part suffer knowing what I know now, because I made a ton of ha hash off the stuff that was like a little bit larfy and the flower was great smoke and it yielded very, very well, uh, despite yeah. sacrificing a few of those things. And I've even seen people smoke like the white bleach buds sometimes. And they say it's just like not super terpy, but, it smokes fine. Like they get medicated or whatever. They feel high. It's just not, it doesn't have a lot of smell. I'd or taste like to, to it. see lab test results on the white bleached bud because pretty smooth. they're pretty smooth usually. Not yeah. But isn't that just because it's like a bunch of nothing? Turpless. It's, it's like, yeah. No flavonoids. It's, it's no diet. It's diet. It's like it's plain diet. yogurt. There you go. It's there, diet. I don't think it's you get diet much. cannabis. I don't think you're getting color. I don't think you're getting flavor. I don't think now you're you'll be able high. to. You'll be able to uh, buy it at Bed Bath & Beyond. You know, I don't know if I shared it on uh, this podcast, but um, one time I happened to find myself in the store a few years ago and there were like, uh, <laughs> there were like CBD pillows, not like the confectionery, but like pillows with CBD somehow in the threads and that was like the selling point and i thought that was um hilarious and terrible i've had that gifted <laughs> i had a cbd um pillowcase gifted to me it's not right i thought i had it near me but uh you know it's it's funny that 
that is a thing out there. They'll put CBD in anything. But the thing that you mentioned uh, with the- Is just because you get, you touch it or something? Where do I don't, do? I really think it's just exploitative marketing. Is I, there's aromatherapy? Of, is there like CBD? I don't remember that being part. Of, I, I definitely scanned it. inflammatory it must be like, <laughs> I mean, how are you consuming it? How is it? You're not really. Right. Um, I think there's I think like skin contact, like a tincture. Oh, exactly. exactly. Pro- probably that's the thought. Yeah. I, I really didn't think it was very explicit. If I, well, there's if a, I recall, there's a sucker born every minute they say, right. Don't well, buy so that. they say it reminds me of the whole marketing of this whole like odorless buds for discreet consumption where they were like right. trying to grow low odor cannabis. And I'm like, I think that you guys just screw a bunch of really poor quality cannabis. It doesn't have a lot of odor. And now you're like marketing geniuses are coming up with <laughs> and trying to sell this stuff. But the white buds kind of reminded me of that. It's like, if you really need it, discreet flower. And like certain people don't like the concentrates, whether it's like live resin, live rosin, uh, distillate, whatever it is in a cart, they'd rather smoke flower. So if they could have something that's low odor, NL5 was actually, uh, or I don't know if NL5 specifically, but certain Northern light crosses back in the day were known for having lower odor so that people could get away with growing them and not get busted. Right. So well, Hey, lobster used to be a famine food. Now guys, people pay odor is related to flavor. Um, right. You're not going to be able to get past that. And I think it's going to be tough unless you do it by way of breeding. Um, and I guess that's maybe what they're trying to claim, but to separate that from, you know, cannabinoid production as well, there's things you could do like bleaching your blood buds, for example, that will remove both like the terpenes and the cannabinoids. But I, I don't know, you know, processes at least that you could follow to be able to just grow sort of odorless cannabis because you lose a lot of the good stuff if you do that we just got to talk to those big commercial producers out there that are growing all that odorless cannabis they, they've got the secrets well <laughs> and, uh, this is a lack of drying cure and, and poor, <laughs> yeah, poor genetic yes. selection this is awesome it is a secret, but not for that reason. They're growing crap. I mean, that, 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 you, we can do that. We can grow crap too, right? But like, I had a, a question for Matthew because they call it hop latent viroid. But then I saw something re- recently that said as much as 50% reduction in dry bud yield. And I, I don't know how substantiated that claim is, but if it's 50%, that's not latent at all. That's very obvious. If you're like latent latency, viral latency is the meaning of that word in that name. Basically, yeah, that it it uh, it can be like basically it can the symptoms or the the things that it does to the physiology of a plant that makes it cause disease and dysfunction um, don't necessarily start when it first colonizes the plant. Like a lot of pathogens, you know, they kind of get to work immediately or they might have a dormant period. In this case, it's a, a latent dormant period. And uh, then uh, the disease effect happens because basically this is because the, um, the structure of the viroid will bind with a bunch of other, um, it gets recognized as a cell architecture to make genes, but it doesn't code any genes. It just binds with a bunch of stuff that keeps the plant cells from expressing genes and so once they build up build up build up then you start to see the symptoms essentially yeah that makes the epidemiology a lot harder like following you know transmission for example matthew so is it always working in the plant or from like my understanding it could be in the plant and not doing anything and that's why it's latent it's just in there 
or is it or is it constantly doing it? Only I mean, it's it doing up? it's it's doing those things. Environmental biology is not very well understood in general, right. even by the people That's who know it's way not better a than virus, me. Right. Well, no, it's not okay. a virus because of other reasons, but basically, yeah. So, like, just imagine that um, it's like a little strand of genetic code. Um, and your cell, the, the plant cell thinks, oh, hey, that's one of my genetic code. I'm going to go make a gene with it. And then it goes to do that. But instead, what happens is that a bunch of things happen at once. I'm not going to get into, but basically, uh, the result is that it's, it, it, it uses up all of the machinery in a cell that would normally uh, code proteins and, and genes and that kind of thing. And so um, it interferes with that process, but like at first, you know, it's, so it's always constantly doing that. But the thing is, is that your body can kind of, your cells can withstand that and, and keep expressing until the population of the viroid increases, right? And so once you get right. to that point, okay. that's when you start to get those symptoms because the symptoms are like very critical and even not very critical genes, just not being expressed and so that could be very so very quickly things like terpene synthesis doesn't happen cannabinoid synthesis doesn't happen uh you know even really fundamental things don't happen that's why it, like it's stunted and chlorotic right you know you it's just because then there's like cannabis cryptic virus which actually seems like it's cryptic and doesn't we don't know what it does and can't report lock like a, a lack of terpene production and lack of yield and things like we're seeing with the hoplite virus yeah, so the cryptic the cannabis cryptic virus is interesting because it's part of a really mysterious group of uh, plant viruses that might be related to mycoviruses that infect fungi, and it's and a lot of times the partit uh, yeah it's a partitivirus. Um, they basically just live inside the cell. They're vertically transmitted from parent to offspring. Obviously, something must have happened a long time ago that, and this is the estimation, the idea is that with, like with a lot of partitiviruses, basically it might've come in as a fungal virus and then that fungus colonized the plant, maybe it was a pathogen, maybe it was an endophyte, who knows? And then something about, you know, this association allowed the virus to horizontally transfer from the fungus to the plant. And then perhaps over time, it just lost the things that it would normally need to um, transmit. So like maybe the, the, the structures and processes it uses to go from the one fungus to another fungal host probably just weren't applicable. And maybe the plant just didn't recognize it as a threat. And uh, it's just kind of somehow it's able to sort of just live inside the cells um, like a fake organoid or something. Um, and then, but, you know, it's not common for a lot of things to be able to go from that to, to being able to get into the germ of the next, uh, plant and that kind of thing. So anyways, I'm not going to ramble too much about it, but it's very fascinating. It doesn't seem to do anything. Um, and in some cases, I think there are some partitiviruses that we think could be used as biocontrols for certain fungi. And also maybe do other things potentially that are even beneficial to plants. But again, it's very, uh, I've, I just recently looked up a lot of stuff about um, viruses when I was doing my powdery mildew video, because I was curious about the mycovirus biocontrol 
angle. And uh, yeah, I revitalized some of that info. So good question. I happen to have a good answer for it. We have another question from the chat from way earlier. Uh, common guest on the show, Dog Doctor Official says, Etchy Pome Grow. Uh, question, I think I notice the autoflowers do veg and flower at the same time for at least two weeks or so. I think or heard that it's possible or something about this. Uh, growers love, thank you. And Doc, I know you work a lot with autoflowers. What are your general thoughts about that question there from Doc? Well, I think he's describing the bolt. Um, autoflowers bolt too. So when they transition to their reproductive phase and they do it based on sort of their internal clock, not based on the external lighting, um, they will also go through a bolt and they'll start throwing their pistols while they're still physically growing um, for sure. And, and they'll, they'll grow a lot. I mean, if you keep your autoflowers happy, you keep them on like 20 hours of light during that bolting period, I mean, they'll grow to the roof of your tent. Um, so yes, and all the while they're gonna be putting out sort of the, the early flowers. Um, you know, once they head up, so like the tops of the apical nodes sort of bristle up like a little paintbrush, um, they usually slow down too, but I've had autos that they keep growing for several days after sort of um, heading up like that. So, yeah, I think that's what he means. And I think I agree that, with him. I yeah, agree with Dr. You're totally yeah. right. And I think it makes sense how he's describing it because what you're seeing and describing is kind of exactly like kind of what he said. You're, you're seeing early flowers as the plant continues to grow structurally in what we would normally consider like a bolt or vegetative fashion. But the transition is a little bit less clear and defined than a photo period plant because a lot of people aren't doing like a 18.6 to a 12.12. It's they're just keeping it on 18.6. And, you know, every single day you look at it, you might not have noticed, oh, the day before there were some tiny little pistols popping out already and things like that. But the sexual maturity of a autoflower cannabis plant are a lot different in the way that it expresses itself. Like, uh, yeah. although even uh, photo period plants do start to show their pistols and things while they're stretching. It's a little bit more, um, I think it's because it's coming from a seed and the way that you're looking at the plant, like autoflowers are just such a different beast. Like it just, you can almost look at, if you scroll down your Instagram feed, you can almost be like, oh, that's an autoflower because they're always grown from seed, right? So almost always they have a single top apical cola. And even if they don't, they're topped or whatever. And like their structure, it just like, it almost it you could say it almost like looks like an auto like the the structure is just different than photo period still at this point um in a good way i think because they look like they yield fat it's like holy shit that's a monster plant usually or it's like a three inch tall like single uh bud which that's usually like inexperienced or newer growers or maybe something just didn't go quite right when they started it out so um but i, I do still see quite a without even having to read the description difference between the morphology and uh Dog Doctor's question kind of leans to that. So, anybody else? Any anybody else have any uh, thoughts or comments on that one? Doesn't sound like it. So, Lone Star Leaf or Larf, Lone Star Larf says, "Cheap Home Grow." I've been getting some brownness on the very inside of my new growth. It seems lot always grow out of it. Is it light burn? 
So this is a one I probably have to ask follow up information, but I'd love to hear the rest of the panel's thoughts. And uh, sorry for butchering it. I was just trying to read exactly what they wrote, but um, I think they might have a typo. That means a lot of the times it grows out of it. So if that's the case, I'm thinking that's a nutrient deficiency that's being addressed by your feeding or, or whatever. Um, my first, when I saw this question, my first thought was a common one. Of if you're in cocoa and you let it get too dry and you come back and feed it normally, it'll get that burn on the edge, that leaf burn, almost tip burn, leaf burn kind of. Yeah. He said inside, which makes yeah, me think it's necrotic tissue from like a parasite. But yeah, when you work with hat, we think hammers, everything is a nail, right? So yeah, uh, yeah I agree but with Jack. Close out. What I'm thinking yeah. is calcium deficiency that is getting addressed later on with feeding, and that, that's why it grows out of it. You'd also think that if it was like a fungus parasite or something, that like, you know, you'd eventually see the mycelium. So if you're not seeing that, then that makes me right. think it's not that, you know? Well, I so can again, say, yeah, for one thing, to sort of answer the question, I could say for almost certain, it's not light burn. Um, like, this just doesn't strike me as being a likely cause for this issue um and if it was light burn it would have to be because like you know you're giving the plant way too much light and you already know you're giving the plant light burn if that's the issue because you know otherwise i think you're you're probably looking for something else it's pretty it's going to be hard to sort of give enough light to display those symptoms in an otherwise healthy plant and as we've described in a few other episodes, you'll see some of the earlier light burn or light stress symptoms, like sometimes the leaves will kind of taco up to protect itself, or they'll start to droop down because they've gotten too much light and, or just the leaves, uh, the outside of the leaf will kind of curl up into itself right. like a, a taco, like in. So and you are... can certainly see this kind of deficiency from leaf burn, but it's like the 45th symptom that you're going to see as the symptoms accumulate from like well, the, that stress so it, well the it's, file i think the final nail in the coffin of it not being light burn is i'm saying it grows out of you don't grow out of light burn if you don't reduce the light levels <laughs> right <laughs> it doesn't like get better right <laughs> yeah yeah it gets better under the same light the only i mean yeah not if it's light burn now as it gets taller <laughs> yeah, yeah, getting closer <laughs> it's, getting, right, yeah, it's yeah. getting even closer that's a good great right. point. it might be i mean yeah <laughs> i think it's more nutrient related nutrient or pest i don't i mean and i would want to see pictures of the plant and, and talk more to them but i do feel like it's it's almost definitely not not light burn i asked for photos in the dm so if i do get them and they give me permission to share i'd uh, pull them up they're still in the chat with us i haven't gotten a response just yet there is a little bit of a delay but not super huge between the zoom and the youtube but it'd be cool to get a follow-up yeah we're coming up to the hour mark so maybe we'll uh open it up to uh, some guests, if they want to come on and show off their garden, Lone Star Larf, you'd be a prime candidate. If you want to download yeah. Zoom, if you don't already have it, you could come on and show us the garden or screen share some uh, photos that you have from your camera roll. You don't well, have to show your face name, or anything. I'm pretty sure that's a prohibition area that they're probably not going to want it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, I think we all know what state that is, and uh, they're definitely not green friendly. But yeah, I, I would definitely agree with Spartan and uh, Doc and the rest of the people who've weighed in so far saying that if it was light burn, it wouldn't get better without reducing the light. And especially if it was growing closer to the light, uh, unless there was maybe they did reduce the light and we just weren't made aware of that. So they're well, like, what kind of light is he using? Mm -hmm. I mean, another another good question. Yeah. And 
yeah, most, I'm just, it would be extraordinary, I think, to actually get light burn in this situation. This is a small plant, right? I suppose. I also wanted to mention, if we didn't have, as we're transitioning to a topic, back when we were asking about what people do when they're flowering, I wanted to say that uh, typically I don't do a whole lot, but uh, one thing that I would definitely recommend people do too is uh, put up a screen or a net or something before you flower if you're growing like exposed to the environment. Rosnate in the chat mentioned that they had gotten like a moth of some kind and perhaps like caterpillar damage, even though it was in a, like a, I guess it was in the home grow indoor that you wouldn't really expect that to happen. Sometimes it happens, but uh, doing it before you have any flower at all, uh, if you are in a place where that's appropriate, would be a great time to do it. You know, um, if you have the resources and the setup that would accommodate that. Just want to mention that for anyone. Tents and cabinets are good for that too, because they're already sort of naturally sheltered from the, like, if I had a moth mm -hmm. flying around my house, my tent is carbon filtered and the only entrances to it are either through fans or through a carbon filter. So the bug would have to decimate itself um, in theory because they're on for 24 hours a day or it'd be a very, very talented bug to get through there. But Very talented. Yeah, I'm not to say that it can't happen, especially like when we open up zippers and we're working in there and they can creep and crawl in and maybe even come in on some of the products, whether it's soil or other things. Um, I've seen people bring stuff home from the grocery store, whether it's on their clothes or in the bags that they purchased. So it's uh, always good to be cautious. And during the early stages of flower, is there any like pests that you would uh, see more common than other stages, like during that transition? Is it more likely that like certain things are going to be like, oh, well, uh, they're starting to put buds on. So I'm going to be more attracted to it than when it was just a vegging plant. There is some of that. That's why I mentioned the the budworm moths because that would be like one that's actually looking for that specific, you know, change. And the and I've read that and I've never really experienced um, that the budworm larvae they do sometimes go into they do sometimes eat the leaves, the foliage, but it's almost always in the case that it'll be depositing eggs on the flower, and that sometimes they'll even go into the stem potentially, but. Um, I would also say that a lot of times hemp borer, which is a stem borer, not a flower borer, um, is often associated with that sort of more mature time in the plant's life cycle, uh, but you can get it without that, um, without flowering happening. Um, and as far as like attraction, we then get into this point of like, where it just starts to become more of a problem. I'm working on a botrytis uh video right now for the fcp02 channel in the future and this is a, a major problem because um botrytis can sometimes live in plants asymptomatically with that latency we were talking about earlier kind of and then it starts to manifest you know these sort of unsavory molding over traits uh when the plant bolts and so there seems to be some sort of like ability for it to gauge that um, and it's very much associated with floral and reproductive tissue and in some cases can even pass into seed and then uh, grow asymptomatically with the offspring so botrytis would be one that i might mention and other sort of like there are other fungi that are responsible for bud rot this is a common misconception and i often say botrytis even when the more intellectually honest answer is that like there's several different molds and also things that we don't uh, probably 
that we haven't even really screened for, you know, uh, that are possible that we'll discover more and more and document. But uh, yeah, Botrytis and those similar bud rot family of fungi, um, they of course are more relevant when flowering is happening. Good reminders. I know it might be obvious to some, but to those who haven't uh, gone through the unfortunate ex experience of having bud rot or PM or uh, certain pests that come around like the budworm moths, um, it can be a bit of a, you know, joy killer to your beautiful grow that you know and love that everything else is going smooth and then something like that comes along but you do have the xenthanol youtube channel and uh also check them out on patreon if you want that exclusive access to the you know messages if you're like oh my god i have this bug and i have no idea what it is can you id this i've seen him do it like thousands of times and uh now that's the exclusive spot to go get the information so uh gotta give him a shout out for that because it's been years that i've seen matthew doing this as free work so as little as a buck a month for you to get access to essentially something that will save your garden if and when you have problems. And even before then, uh, it's good to just brush up on all the IPM stuff. I'm always glad that you show up to the panel each week, even if it's not an IPM heavy topic, because uh, it's always something that we could touch on because it is super important. It, it's one of those things that can uh, completely destroy someone's grow and, and give them an absolute no yield, which is uh, a bummer. You know, We don't want any of our people out there going through that. I also want to give Brandon Rust a shout out. He's not going to be with us this week. He's uh, at the Growcast live meetup. He um, is with Jordan River, who was on the show a few weeks back. And uh, I want to give a big shout out to them. And uh, you can find the products that Spartan was talking about earlier at BokashiEarthworks.com. He was talking about the uh, N-Humate, K-Humate, and the micros and things like that. But I like the um, his other nitrogen sources, like a amino N plus, which uh, I use a little bit more than once in the veg. If I'm noticing the soils maybe lacking and the plants start to look a little yellow in organics, it's a quick, easy way to get a little extra nitrogen. And uh, the micro plus also is something I use maybe like once a week to once a month and have great results with it. So shout out to Brandon, great dude, awesome products and a uh, big fan of his work, uh, sharing lots of great knowledge and helping people from Hawaii to Oklahoma and California and all around the world. So uh, great dude and hope that he's having a great time at the Growcast event today. So shout out to him and uh also shout out to kyle predicated breeding he's not with us tonight he said that he was working on some tissue culture which uh is that was my new year's resolution which i totally put on the back burner and haven't learned i read a book which you know i have knowledge but i haven't put it into practical application i think personally uh, you gotta get hands-on with some of this stuff and uh shout out to rapper grow he's got like a 50 dollars setup kit if you want to go through and do your own tissue culture and try and learn uh, which i should do but <laughs> i have uh i sent this D spartan in the dms and I'll have an update. We've got Dog Doctor jumping in. I'll give you guys a little update because I was kind of uh, sharing my blues of seed popping struggles and unsuccesses with uh, my dirty veg space and my poorly re-amended soil with uh, all the issues and things like that. Well, I just popped 21 seeds and uh, 20 of them popped. So uh, good stuff there. And I've got, uh, you know, I won't talk about plant count numbers and things like that anymore, but we'll talk about high percentages and uh, successes. And I also got a little tool um, that we kind of talked about. Spartan mentioned it on the show. They make these little soil blockers. And I just Googled on Amazon. One popped up. It was only 20 bucks. So I was like, yeah, makes four blocks at a time. If I want to do uh, seeds in the future, take clones. It's kind of a cool little thing to make your own soil blocks out of. So if uh, anybody wants a, a link to that, you can either find it on Amazon or hit me up and I'll send you the link because the one that I got, it's pretty decently built and uh, it makes cool little soil blocks. So it's uh, convenient if you don't want to buy plugs every time, but they do work. Jiffy pellets or uh, rapid rooters, all that good stuff. But welcome in, Dog Doctor. Good to see you again, as always. 
Jack, have you got that yet or just ordered it? No, I've gotten it. It's uh here with me. I, I put it all together and uh Did I put it yet? I'm I'm like I played around with it, but I because I just had such a successful pop in my seed starter mix and like yeah. cleaning everything up. I'm just like I'm gonna let this run go through, and next round I'm gonna do the little blocks and see how it works from there. Cool. Um, just for transplant reasons, like not uh, using solo cups, maybe going into one gallon, do a little bit more experimenting, just trying to get the quickest growth in mm -hmm. soil that I possibly can. Because admittedly, cocoa has really explosive growth, and I've done that in the past and it's success with it. So trying to keep up with that in organic living soil and remended stuff is a, a challenge, but one that I'm uh, excited to take. And welcome in, Dog Doctor. Good to see you again. Good evening, everybody. Happy Halloween. Let's turn your camera so that we could get the, the full glory shots here. And I'm going to go ahead and spotlight you for everyone. Boom. Boom. One second. Looks ah. good. And we got Oil Town Oil also jumping in. So I'm going to admit them. And uh, since they're not going to be on the screen, hopefully they're a chill person and just come in and say hello. Hope you all, all you guys feeling good. I'm not really feeling the Halloween this year, but I'm feeling my girls. I mean, this amnesia, she's on day 40. Good, man. Yeah, man, she's, she's beautiful. I, I haven't grown sativas for a while now, apart from that elephant, but that was an auto. I didn't know what is coming out of it. I love and, amnesia. Dude, the smell of this when I open it, it really brings me that old school smell. It's, it's crazy. And she's fucking really, really nice on the on the trichomes. For uh, doesn't really focus. Would be nice to have a zoom in Zoom. Right. Yeah, that's one of the funny things. Zoom is literally <laughs> called Zoom, but you can't Zoom <laughs> yeah. on Zoom. But I mean, for a single plant, crazy. Yeah, dude, sativas. This is one of the beauties. They uh, are branchy. This is like a mini tree. <laughs> like, yeah, she's uh, amount huge. of branching and, and type. Wow, very, very, very different from. I mean, we opened these sides. It's really completely different structure. Look at this. Yeah, this is a, a lot more of a hybrid or indica, as people would describe yeah, them. Is, a lot more golf ball nuggy. This is hybrids for me but but yeah but completely different like she's gonna be golf balls all over even with all the the problems she had with the bugs whatever always needing food and i'm feeding her uh in ac2 ac which i never do i i haven't used this much in a long time i feel like she's burning already yeah, two ec is high yeah and uh she still drinks it all, and she's st it still is coming out uh, lower than it goes in. Like it goes in at two and comes out at one point four, one point five. It's crazy. I don't understand. You're talking about your EC runoff influence. Yes, runoff. sir. Yeah, it uh -huh. goes in at two and it comes out at uh, one point four. But but I, I don't want to go over two. No, I wouldn't even go up to two. Yeah, this, this, are you this trying last... to chase the runoff number up? What do you? Uh, why are yeah, you up at I, two? Because uh, when I did one point six, one point eight, she was always going super low on the runoff. So I, I last time I did two and still uh, no, but this time she. So yeah, you're trying to chase the runoff up. There's no need to do that. Um, you know, Fertigate 
more frequently if you want to. Um, small doses more frequently is fine, but there's no need to to keep ramping up nutrition. It, even though the runoff is is lower than the inflow, I suspect that that's related to that. But can I see that leaf again? The leaf with that's the cool. sort of burnt out edges. It's too close. Yeah, you're confident on your your pH game. Sure. Yes, sir. All right. But but this no. one, uh, no, this I am sure because yeah. I I have this and uh, I'm uh, always uh, calibrating it. And even when I forget to calibrate, he asks me to calibrate. Six point two. No, that's oh no, that's the the water the water tank. I have it in there. That's the water. I I, I do pocket after and I pH it after with the nutrients and everything. What's the, this is the this is the. I, the water that I have in my lens comes out like this. My PPM comes at, uh, my TZ at 50. Okay. It's the, the starting water. Yes, exactly. Okay. Sorry. Did those that's, plants that's ever our... dry out hard? Pardon? Did those plants ever like get dried out hard? No, I water them every freaking day. Look, this is the dam. There's no watering here, but there's watering pretty much every day. Oh, okay, I'm just checking. You aren't watering every day, though. The, there's one day here she didn't water because she didn't need it, so I didn't water. Why do you think she didn't need it? Because uh, when I hold on the... When I did this, like today, I watered yesterday. Cocoa, right? No, it's soil. Soil, okay. It doesn't yeah. really matter. The way you're fertigating it, it's a small enough pot. What, what size is the pot? This is uh, six, uh, five gallon. Well, it's soil list, right? Isn't it like a pro mix? Yeah, That's it's a big plant for a five. You're only worried about the air to water ratio, but the other side of it is the, the salinity, the EC factor. It's interesting that mm -hmm. you're, you're that much or that you're coming out under, but I, I still think you got to back off. Yeah, I'd go lower EC and maybe fertigate yeah. a little bit more frequently. Yeah, exactly. But we also have uh, Oil Town Oil joined us, and they were going to show off their garden. And they're a, a new joiner to the Cheap Home Grow. So welcome, Oil Town Oil. You could give us a sound check, unmute yourself, say hello to everybody. And you said you want to show off your setup. So I can do a dual spotlight, actually. So it'll show both of you guys uh, top and bottom. This is Hey, I'm not muted right now. I don't know if you can hear me. Yeah, I can hear you now. Yes, sir, you can. Okay, it might be a little windy in here, you know, grow room stuff, but... Hey, it is what it is. We'd love hey, to I'm going to turn on the video now if you're all right. Yeah, once you get it on, just so if you don't want to show your face or anything, I'll wait till it... That's uh, okay. I'll get the glass on. At least. I'm in Canada, so we're all good here. Okay. Do you want to uh, flip it around, or do you want me to spotlight uh, to show the selfie I'm cam? I'm kind of new to Zoom a little bit, too, for this, but... Uh, no, it's okay. A little bit You're of a mess. Good. But, uh, they can't I see you right now. We can, they can only see the garden. So now that um, you're showing the front camera, I'm going to go ahead and spotlight you as well. So add yeah, you can turn your phone sideways too. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. I've heard you say that enough times. Good stuff. No, no, it's all good, man. It's it's more natural in your hand to hold it up and down. So it makes sense. Yeah. So it's a little bit of a mess. I got some cleanup to do from one. I got one plant here that didn't quite make it, but uh, we'll get in the tank here. I'm running a lot of AC infinity stuff. I don't know if you guys have seen that enough. I got like the new Wi-Fi one going on. Pretty cool. Oh, very I got nice. like some sort of crazy intake vent i decided to go with like a nice intake vent and like a uv light that comes on once an hour once a day that's probably the craziest thing 
watering setup. So that's like an like air purification. Right you just kind of showed us, right? Like a yeah. UV air, air scrubber. Yeah, that was that. Uh, you see that little bar in the back of it here at the back here. That just comes on on a timer. And this is just like a pull out Merv filter. This is all from AC Infinity. And it's all hooks up in like a nice metal box. I decided to go with the actual intake just in case of like pollen. I like keeping the air real clean. I usually don't open the tent, but for this occasion, I'll come in. It's a real honor. So these are just the second round. I told you guys about that embarrassing auto story that just lasted forever. But uh, these ones are from the uh, Mephesto seeds. So we got the Sky Stomper back here. And then we got uh, the Creme de la Chem here. Very short, really leafy, but that Sky Stomper really took off. It's been going crazy. And then the back crazy one here is morphology. The, yeah, the GWZ XRB. So some crazy one. But uh, this one, I had another one of that. Uh, I was going to do the another uh, King Gelato, the first one I did. That's the one that didn't make it. So this is the second GWB RB here. It's struggling a little bit, but I think it's because I turned the lights up. I got like this crazy like uh, board here, AC Infinity. Everything should be hooked up. I got like their new fan. It oscillates, but after everything you guys kept telling me, I finally took it off the oscillation. Good. But, uh, <laughs> I like I wish I could turn it on oscillation for like once a day or something. I've been talking to the company. I think that'd be really cool to get this fan. And just small enough. It just doesn't need it for the air air dynamics. The way the air is gonna move around is not helped by the yeah, oscillation. I, I want to look back at that small plant. I believe that small plant is actually root stunted. It, I would believe it too. What do you think was wrong with that? I had it in a solo for a while, but nowhere near as long as these other guys. Um, something happened to it in the solo, maybe. Just stunting could have been physical damage, or it could have been sort of you know too hot of water, like too high of EC. Um, Definitely, I got this the heat mat underneath here, but I got the sensor for it like pretty close underneath the mat. Just built this little cone today. What do you feel about these? Is this the right thing to do? I built this little like cone around my sensor. Interesting. What does the sensor do? It I was told to do that by uh, AC and Pain. They're like, you can use aluminum foil. I'm like, really? You guys are telling me to no, do that? No, that's but... that. Well, it prevents it. Be okay, so a quick inside grow. This is um the the grow lights. Even the new LEDs sometimes they will trick those sensors into reading much yeah. much hotter than they actually. So it'll say it's 100 degrees in your room, but if oh, you shoot a laser thermometer, it'll okay. say 75 or 80. My battery's kind of low, so if I cut out, that's why. But I don't have too okay. much more to see. I got the AC and Pain up here. But I'm running RO water. I'm wondering what to do with it. These plants are starting to get a little bright here. You see, they're not as deep green. And that's what started mm -hmm. happening on that first run. And that's what I'm afraid of, like, that'll eventually happen. I just raised the lights up to where they are today. I gave them all a little bit of water with a little bit of uh, worm castings and water for a foliar spray the, in the light, just before the lights came on. But this one, like I said, I just moved it here. So it was in the solo cup, and it wasn't doing the greatest. But I this is the first time, like, the day it's been in here. So I'm hoping it. Might survive a little bit. How are I you fertilizing those bottom leaves? Mm -hmm. Good question. Pardon? I agree. How are you fertilizing? Uh, well, it's the first time I've tried it, but I tried a foliar spray. I just put some worm castings in a like a paper towel in the sprayer bottle, like swished it up with some water that I was using, and sprayed it down. And then what media are you growing? That's the only thing you're doing for for fertilizer. He's saying like your main nutrient uh, right source. Right now it is. I'm always, I'm gonna add in some later. Like I usually feed. That's a good question. Here. I usually feed once a week on uh, the with my automatic. Cause I'll just use this. Hold on, I'll grab the bottle here. I don't like soil? it either. 
Is that soil yeah, or media? Is that yeah, what are you growing in? It's soil here. So just like a not the greatest soil this time, but they seem to like it. It's a blend of mycorrhiza, uh, an organic from like Lowe's. And then uh, I added in a little bit of, uh, it's kind of tough to see, I didn't add too much, but I added in some lava rock that I've crushed up okay. and some worm castings in there. But I'm using this food. I haven't put any in because I don't like it too much. It's a little old, but uh, I'm thinking okay. about trying some new newts and I'm wondering if I should switch to cocoa because I got a pretty decent like auto watering setup with the halos and the dishes kind of like yeah. how. I almost assumed it was cocoa when I saw I your it was cocoa for a second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Is I, I should probably try and switch to cocoa if I got well, all this. In soil, here. let me just say, you need to come up with a better sort of nutrition plan. Uh, like, you need to be somewhat aware of what is already been amended into your soil, what they're going to get from that, and what you either need to, to top dress or water in to make sure you're going to get these plants to harvest. Um, going forward, yeah, I mean, I, I obviously would recommend cocoa. So maybe I'm not the best person to ask because I say yes, like cocoa 100%. But, you know, to with these plants you're dealing with right now, that they're not in cocoa, that there is some nutrition in the pots that they're growing in, but not nearly enough to bring these plants to flowering. Um, so no, you're going to have to I'm figure out that deficit that. and how to fill it. Well, and I was just going to say... Feed once a week on a Sunday, and then I water on the i give it three days after that and then i'll do wednesday friday and then feed them again with the water on sunday okay so if you're going to fertigate on an irregular frequency like that you really got to be aware of sort of what your ec is going in because if you drench those pots with high ec water and then just let them sit for for days and days um that high ec water is going to get even higher in ec and and potentially cause problems with the roots um something similar might have happened to that little plant down there uh, you know something probably related to nutrition sort of stunted the roots at an earlier stage of its life um if you if you veg it long enough it, it'll kind of grow out of that if you if you take good enough care of it remember these are all autos as well so oh then it's oh, pretty screwed yeah you're, you're yeah. done i would pull it i mean <laughs> i think it's going to be such a small auto in the end that like uh, question Real whether it's worth it this one was planted much later it's not the same time i hope i, I let you guys know that no no this I, I, much I get that no, I think i'm just looking at the too. growth characteristics it's become right. miniaturized. something does seem wrong, something yeah. does seem wrong. When the plant's miniature like that, when it's growing really compact and the leaves aren't full size and each node is barely a, like a few millimeters away from the last node, it's because of root damage. And I, I think everybody's probably had a plant that looks like that. So it's helpful to sort of see that as a diagnostic, but I can tell just by looking at that, that's there's some root damage there that's caused it. What do you think the damage could have been? Because they go, I definitely didn't get too big in the pot it was in compared to the other ones. It was probably too much heat. Maybe over or underwatering could have caused issues. But what I wanted to say is let's focus on the positive here and yeah. that you do have plants that are going to survive and make it to harvest. And uh, moving forward, the ones that are on the back left, back right, and front left, all of those can get you to harvest, but you have worm castings like you're foliaring with it. After you foliar with it, then I would suggest that you take that worm castings that you had in that bottle and pour it on top of the soil, top dress with oh, it. Oh, I do that. That's why okay. I, I didn't mention that. But I'm I also, great approach. I, and then go ahead, Matthew. Oh, sorry. I, I know you were, uh, you, were, you were slinging good positives out there. I, I do want to reemphasize the, the EC in the water. 
um, situation because yeah, it does, especially with how you described it, I feel like, because things seem to be fine and then they started to get slightly less fine, like with the color, for example, of the leaves. And um, and just, and yeah, like with the irregularity of the watering um, and the the nutrient application, like Dr. Coco is saying, because I've also experienced that before, especially, um, you know, I had this, uh, I had this uh, hope and desire to grow some vegetable crops a long time ago uh, when I was much younger. And uh, I ran into that problem uh, because I didn't have like a schedule. I thought like, you know, in nature, mm-hmm. that doesn't happen always. So let's just see how it goes. And um, it didn't go very well. Uh, nature like hummels. Tomatoes, yes. So, yeah. so that regularity is not because um, I'm some sort of like corporate automaton you know, who has to have order and structure and everything that I do. But because like, if I don't do that, I literally can't predict some of these stochastic random things that kind of happen. Maybe it'll go okay, but it could be way more optimized maybe, but it does look really good. Like these plants do look interesting. And, um, and I do like how some other people in the chat were really praising how clean um, you know, the insight is, which I would take a lot of pride in myself. And like, it's, it's something that, yeah. um, a lot of people don't work. I think he's got three great plants there that, that should definitely be sort of paid attention to and, and, and ushered into a, an excellent harvest. I like the watering system he's got set up. I, I, I think he's got a good garden. I am curious about the light and then the light seems like it's quite a ways away from the plants and might be edging a little bit too much in that direction okay that's good open mic somewhere um real quick we got an open mic somewhere i'm trying to figure out who it is we got somebody in the background but we got seed person one and we got rowdy 420 who just joined us so seed person one you could unmute and say hello and then i'll intro uh, rowdy 420 next hey jack hey everybody on the panel um it is an honor to be here and i appreciate you letting me on we're happy to have you and welcome in rowdy 420 hello guys here. Your mic's a little bit uh, rough to hear. Um, are you holding it? Is your phone? Maybe you're covering up a mic or something? that your finger is over the mic. I've done that. It's not. It's uh, still it's really like, hard to hear. Underwater. Do you have maybe headphones or something that you could put on to uh, give yourself a little bit of a clearer audio, maybe? Hmm. Let me see what I can pick up. All right. Sounds good. And uh, while we do that, we're going to check out Seed Person 1. I'm going to spotlight you. Cool. Um, yeah, so this is my uh, my photo grow here. There we go. Um, yeah, so so this is the, the grow that you guys inspired um, to cut to the chase of it. Uh, I got my photo periods in this tent here. And then next to it, I got my autos. Um, yeah, so. I love the Tinker Toy set. Yeah, that was kind of fun to play with that. I, I got a whole bunch of these for my uh, outdoor garden for my veggies and stuff. And then I had them in the off season. I was like, I'm going to put them in there and see how it works. I like it. It's a lot of fun to play with them. Anything that gets you more hands-on with the plants, spreads them out, gets the light, you know, redirected, especially with autos yeah. where it can be a little bit harder to tame. Yeah, yeah I don't like think they're also their product. It's cool. It looks, it looks, it looks useful. 
one of our fallen friends uh, used to make a product like this. Uh, Indeed, I still use that. I still use Shout the, the APT. Oh, uh, the front left one looks like it's having a little bit of a hard time. What what kind of medium are you? Oh uh, yeah, uh, I'm in Fox Farm Happy Frog with Grow Dots, and I put these plants in the soil with the Grow Dots, and then about a week later, all but one of them started to flower. So they still had four weeks of veg newts before they transitioned and started releasing the flower newts. And they were all like starting to flower. So I, there's nothing I could do. So I was like, well, we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's uh, one of those things with the grow dots, the time release stuff and newer products like that. It can be a little bit more difficult to yeah. gauge when things are supposed to be delivered. Like the back right plant looks great, but the rest of them all seem like they're having a little bit of a harder time. Yeah. It's weird though because it's a bunch of different things you know like this one looks like too much in that one had definitely had too much in these i'm not sure this one Just back too, here had like high a high generally yeah it's pretty yeah. nice next time right i'll do it yeah, point, more... symptoms start overlapping and and different plants will have different experiences with with that kind of a situation anyways how did you mix it into the soil? Like, did you have a, like a cup or applicator or like, how was it applied into the actual medium? Um, I put three gallons. So I filled a three gallon pot up with the, with the, the mix, the potting mix. And then I put it into a 10 gallon pot and I put six teaspoons of the grow dots in there. And then I mixed it up really good by hand to get an even distribution. And then I put it back in the three gallon pot. Okay. So I think maybe just in the future, probably a little bit less would be recommended. And then the other side, seems like it's doing fine though. So maybe the photo right. periods seem to, maybe we could pan back over there. I think a couple of them are Velvet Punch and then a couple of them are one of the other, maybe Amy Aces or something from Kyle Breeder or something. So I've, I've got, um, this is okay. Velvet oh. Punch right here. And then right behind it is Amy Aces. And then in the front here is New England Rock Candy V2. And then behind that is the snow cane Spartan cut. Dang. Nice. So that is a growing with my fellow growers. <laughs> oh, yeah. Bull tent. So these are also in grow dots, but I, I've never really done photo periods before when I knew what I was doing. I learned to grow on autos and this is my first time doing photo periods, but I wanted to try something new and I'm absolutely loving the, the uh, training. You know, I topped them. I've, I've tried super cropping. I'm going to put this net up and see if I can get them to like kind of spread out more, fill up the whole thing. I got about two weeks on the grow dots before they start to get into the flower newts and I got to start the light cycle change. I would say, yeah, they're about yeah, almost ready the, to flip and then they'll be, you know, they're going to fill that tent. You, if you have to wait easy. two weeks before flipping, they're going to fill that tent. Easy. Keep them happy. Yeah, so maybe just, just one week recharge. and then flip. Yeah, well, because it says it's four weeks of, of the veg newts, then you get a two-week like window of transition, and then 10 weeks of flower newts. So when I put them in, I, I marked it on my calendar. I think it's the 17th that I'm supposed to flip. But I'm Dude. in the soil, so they're not growing like crazy fast. But That will depend on the genetics. Some genetics will take longer. Some you will veg shorter, so you will along deaths and in some flower faster than others that will depends on the genetics the the label it's there just to guide you but you need to read the plants in my humble opinion of course and see what stage you are to feed it whatever you want to feed it her sorry 
No, I think that's a great piece of advice. I would say I know the Velvet Punch pretty well because I've sent it to 50 growers, the F2 at least, the F3s. I've uh, going into my third run with them now, and I've been growing it over a year. And um, it's I selected the F1s, F2s, and F3s. And um, I would say I, when I was talking about earlier, the different height profiles, it is when they're happy and healthy. So that double the veg height is like the minimum if it's super happy and healthy. Like in my opinion, those plants look happy and healthy. Like if you were to vit flip it today i would estimate that the velvet punch would be let's say that's a 10 inch tall plant i would say it'd be 20 to 30 inches tall by the end of it so um it depends on how much you spread it out with that net too yeah yeah, Yeah. i think you'd fill that tent if you was hooked today if you kept them healthy but that's one of the issues with you know using time release notes is you can't we can't really respond to the timing of the plants you got to respond to the timing of the needs right so when when I if I want to spread these plants out with this net, do I wait until I flip the the light cycle and they start to bolt and I spread the bolt like as they're bolting, spread them out, or should I try and like crank it down on top of these as they're vegging the next two weeks or so? No, that looks like, like I have head I have plenty of headroom, yeah. so I can let them go school. up. I'd wait till they fl- uh, flip and then. You could even add a second layer. You could have one essentially be like you sort of train it out to fill out the entire corner to corner in the tent where every single square gets filled up. And then the second one, as they grow up through that, it kind of gets its baseline at that first net and then they start to grow straight up from there. And hopefully we'll reach a second net. And if you need it, it can be support that it can fall on top of or it can be another layer to tuck into if they continue to grow through. Okay. I don't think you have to work on spreading those plants out too much before you flip because, I mean, they're, they're going to get there in two weeks. Yeah, I think, yeah the, the shape is ideal because they're topped too. They're already kind of set up to grow they're into already the squares. Okay. This tent looks a lot happier. I'll say whatever. Yeah, keep, keep the hoping to work on this tent. Yeah, the, the auto <laughs> tent is a mess over here. It's like a freaking jungle gem of mess. But autos are hard. Uh, I, I learned to grow on autos and I, I grew in so many autos and it just, I, I got, you know, I've, I've got quite a few, uh, not quite a few, but you know, 10 decent auto grows under my belt with them, but it's a hit or miss thing most of the time with me and these, but I didn't, I didn't have any way to control light leaks. So it was kind of what I had to do. I would just think about other alternatives for, for nutrition Probably oh yeah, I'm not. I'm not doing that. Particularly for autos. Yeah. Grow dots for autos. I I will say not for me. Right. But I like the Tinker Toys. But you could do just thank you. Just a single, <laughs> yeah. You could get a single bag soil for autos and do the same. Thing. I. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm gonna, gonna try this sip in the single bag that you recommended, Spartan. There you go. What region generally are you able to share roughly where you're at, or are you um, in a red zone? I'm in a red state. Okay. Yeah. So don't say, but I was going to say some yeah. places you could, and even if you're in a red state, like build a soil has like their light blend or their like 3.0. There's a bunch of good, you can get like a um, coots yeah. mix. Really you can make your own organic it's soil or you can do too. cocoa. Exactly. Yeah. Down to earth at every garden shop, basically across Bad America. Or you can get a slow release, something that you believe put it on the soil organic. And well, that's like what he's working bio- with now. And it's not really working too well for him. I would say. I like oh, Bio365, okay. you can kind of like amend it yourself. You can add some uh, stuff to it. It gives you a nice base. It gives you biochar. It gives you a bunch of stuff. They have 
they have bio flour, they have bio all, they have bio cocoa, they have, and I've, I've been doing great with it. You can use it with like bio biz, or you can use it with like even like down to earth that you know amendments. There's a lot of different options with that line too. Well, and Noah was uh, you did use soil for a long time, but you used like your mix of bottles and cocktail of uh, yep. different nutrients and things like that. But um, now you've been organic for a while and you've been crushing it still, like right back to almost, I would say pretty much where you were at with the previous setup, if not better. And uh, I want to welcome in Shonuff. And we've also got JP from NB jumping in. This is a wild night. We've got everybody, the whole yeah. chat decided, hey, we're going to come in and join. <laughs> Don't let so, me take up party. any more time of uh, screen time. It's all good. Hey, Shonuff, welcome in. Thanks. Thank you for joining us. And you're welcome to hang out and just chat and uh, kick it with us, a C person one and, and everybody else who's with us. But welcome in, Shonuff. You're muted still, so you got to unmute yourself. What's up, guys? Cheers. How you doing? You. Of course. Good to see you. I don't know if uh, you're having connection or technical difficulties over there. It looks like we might be having a little bit of a technical difficulty from show enough, but we also have JP from NB joining us again. So welcome back, JP. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you guys hear me? Yes, I can. Welcome yes, back. How you can, doing, sir? Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, How's everybody back. doing? Good, good. Good to hear from you. I think you've sent me a couple emails. So I have seen some of the garden, but I haven't shared any of that with the uh, audience out there. So uh, how are things going over there for you? Everything's going good. We got everything chopped down. I don't know. Can you guys see any video on my end or is it just All blank black. screen? Oh, All black. Crap. Okay. Yeah. No. I did, stop I did. video. Start video. Maybe. Oh yeah. Okay. Stop video. Oh yeah. Okay. Nope. That's a picture of a plant. That's a picture. Yeah. No. Okay. Well, I'll just uh, yeah. I did had a re really good garden this year. I'm gonna try to get my video working here. But yeah, everything turned out great. I had some lovely blueberry muffin plants that came down, and some all gas OG. If anyone remembers my uh, garden and then the tangy I grew, it turned out to be a total bust. And uh, I'm going to throw it in the wash and hope for the best. It just didn't turn out to be very good flower. As far as like potency of the smoke or what's the issue? In terms of it's like even when you look at it, it's very fluffy and airy. Like it looks like a like what you would think a land race sativa would look like. It just didn't even feel right when you busted it. The texture, it just is. Just didn't look like good weed, didn't taste like good weed. It smelled like good weed, but it was not good weed. Great smell. Sometimes the orange stuff uh, doesn't necessarily do it for me. Tangy is one of them that can be a little bit on the weaker side. It looks like we do have Shonuff with us now. Uh, Shonuff, can you unmute and uh, say hello to the Cheap Home Grow listeners out there? Hey, what's going on, guys? I got booted. Hello. Who uh... <laughs> said my name before? What's up, man? It's a fellow GrowDots user. Welcome yeah. in. How's yeah. it working for you? Do you have a garden going that you can show us, or is it at nighttime and you just want to ask some questions? And nah, take yeah, the... definitely. All right, uh, I'll, I'll spotlight you. It's a party today. It is. This is a fun one. I love it Actually, when the uh, people <laughs> love it. come on in. First, the first thing I wanted to show was uh, a little while back, you sent me some Velvet Punch F2. Um and I don't really have Instagram. I'm just on like cocoa for cannabis and stuff like that. So just uh It's a frosty chunky bud. Yeah, that looks looking good. good, man. I'd ah, smoke that. Uh, 
turned out to be some i do a, a pretty rough trim because it was also frosty i was like i'm not gonna waste that stuff you know so when it's that pretty it's hard <laughs> but, uh, to want to lop it off when it's frosty and yeah. purple and you know i agree but it's like unwrapping I'm okay. myself trimming that i'm like why am i doing this like i should just smoke these leaves looks good yeah it's uh good stuff for sure it's uh Great work, after man. curing for a while it's, it's, it's starting to get almost like a little pine piney smell to it it's interesting it's like it's definitely got pine in there it's subtle but it yeah. does come out in the cure more and i do yeah. love the pine so i'm excited about that i love it actually i'm gonna have to turn the light back on for this one for just a sec but it just went off so it'll be okay oh <laughs> like literally just went off two seconds it's, it went off a little early like it's supposed to go off at okay. nine. i was messing around with things earlier and i think i hit a tab i'm on those like mm. It timers. looks very yeah, good. It's uh, oh, it's uh, very close to the light, huh? Uh, this is actually my solo cup. Filled up that whole tent. PT, uh, oh, challenge. Wow. That's nice. a solo cup? So, that's a... Uh, yes, it is. Yeah, that's, that's a huge a, yeah, solo it's cup. A, it's a monster. It's that huge. is a big solo cup. <laughs> yeah, well done. Well done, exactly, man. Wow. And then the, <laughs> the one in the back right there, that's a um, purple banana cream clones at thc it's thc seeds but uh that's my wife's favorite smoke ever so i've got to this, keep this is a two by two we're looking into yep yeah this is a two by two this is my uh little just indoor closet grow uh yeah yep. um shrooms right. up top and just two two by six area um I get a good bit out of it though so Dude, hell yeah uh, respect this well. is what it's all about the cheap yeah. home grow growing in closets you probably pulled the pounds out of here over time so and i have a i have a big tent outside that i grow autos in um it's in like a partway outdoor garage i lose internet signal when i try to go into it so i probably won't go out there but um i get a lot out of that one but it's hard to control um you know environmental factors because it is kind of outside so i just just grow autos in that one um this is uh, I've got a couple of solo cup grows here that wouldn't fit in the other tent anymore because the one got so big. So they were kind of starved for light on the bottoms. So I just I need solo, solo covers here and see what they do. Yeah, some of the smaller ones. But <laughs> um, this one in the back, I wanted to point out cause just because earlier we were talking about, you know, stunted auto flowers. Yeah. Um, this one was planted on July 15th. Um, and I stunted it as a seedling for about 40 days. Um, it was smaller than my thumb. <laughs> it was just super, super tiny. It just barely had its first set of leaves. And uh, at about day 46, it just randomly started growing again. Um, I just kind of waited it out and hoped for the best. And uh, it's getting close. How many days? So what day is it on now? It's going to give me a good bit. <laughs> it's like three months uh, in. Doc. So yeah yeah so um july 15th was when it was actually planted um so i haven't done exactly the math but it's yeah okay 90 ish, uh, 90 -ish days so yeah, yeah no, wait, 90, it's, it's over 100 90, i think it's like 97 days from the 15 97 or 98 somewhere around there um but and and what was it supposed it to be originally like eight, eight it was nine, 105 days ago it was supposed to be a 60 to 70 day seed to harvest auto. Yeah, um, so like a 10 sister, week auto and you're taking it. Yeah. 105 days. Yeah. 
It's was, sister that I planted on the same day. Um, I harvested over a month ago, and I got eh, about almost nine ounces dry off of her. She was a monster. Um, was she a solo cup grow or a full size? Oh, no. She went into a seven-gallon rain science grow bag, full-size plant. Yeah, so that, that's definitely a big um, uh, limiting factor is the pot size. This so. one went into – once it started growing again, I put it in a 0.8-gallon, like, pheno hunt bag from rain science. Um, and that's when it kind of started taking off and yeah, I mean, it's, it, it looks like it's going to give me ounce and a half, maybe. Yeah. I'd smoke it. I mean, yeah, yeah. It looks really. It looks it's just interesting to think about what happened to, to delay the whole flowering process. Cause most autos just go ahead and flower regardless of the fact that they started. Yeah. Yeah. It really didn't do anything at all the whole time it was stunted. Um, no growth, but it didn't die. So I was just, I'm not, yeah. I'm not going to kill it if it doesn't die on its own, you know? It did way better oh, than Tao's man, freaky ass mutant plant that produced after 300 plus days of, you know, photo periodism. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. So that's uh, my little closet, closet growth. I just wanted to hop in and, you know, show the velvet punch to the, the man who created it initially. So. That's very cool. Awesome. Thanks for sharing your grab. Why, yeah, why are you yeah. doing thanks for having me on guys sorry why are you doing the 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 auto the the the, 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 the tiny pots with your flowers and the not normal pots just just for curiosity the solo cups so that was i started them for the cocoa for cannabis solo cup challenge um, oh okay 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 yeah yeah nice, um, nice. normally i'll have like you know like 0.8 to one gallon pots in the smaller tent sometimes three gallon if i'm just growing one plant so um, okay. one so, gallon of cocoa is crazy the size of a plant you can get in a one gallon pot of cocoa nope. yeah yeah definitely or, or in a solo cup watering for, it off for that matter right like yeah. um it does yeah. become more work to keep those little plants happy how how frequently are you fertigating your your party cuppers oh you're gonna love this once a day that's it? <laughs> yep. Um, so what I did is I have, I got some wick and I interlaced wick into the cocoa, throughout the cocoa and through the bottom. And have, I have it coming down into the tray in the bottom. And I water to run off and then I add a little bit of water to just let it soak back up until the next day when I come back and do it again. Um, it was, this is my experimental tent. This is the one that I just kind of like do crazy shit with and see what happens um it seems to be working pretty well so far so, so you're not um, you're not removing any runoff from the system no not at you all you let it all soak um, back I'm up just <laughs> yep yep and i'm very very careful with how much i'm putting in you know I'm like very very i'm I'm, in, I'm with grow dots you know but i still a little extra stuff here and there some bloom and stuff but very very low amounts um and then recharge which if you're going to do the wick, I recommend doing recharge because it dyes the wick black and then you don't get algae growing on your wicks. Right. Um, so that helps tremendously. But <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm curious as to the salt buildups and if it causes any issues in the future kind of thing. I just it, it's too much work to take everything out and clean that out, you know, once a week. And I, I'm going to end up breaking a plant in half if I try to do that. So um yeah, just kind of letting them wick everything back up and hoping for the best right now. <laughs> yeah. 
Good stuff. Okay. And we got JP is back. We we lost you for a second. What are you showing us here? What what butter are we this, looking at? This right here. We, sorry, guys. I always have the, the internet connection issues. This is uh, the blueberry muffin, and I grew two this year. And this one was my purple fino. And I actually have Humboldt? two. What's that? Sorry. From, from Humboldt? The blueberry yeah. muffin. Humboldt Company. Yeah, I have it here to pop. They sent it. I'm super like curious you. about that. And then this was the green pheno I had grown. Sorry for the camera. I try to get this working. But you can see that's uh, doesn't look anything like the purple one. And then I've got another bud of that right there. How's the non-purple pheno smell? Does it have blueberry still? Yeah, it still has blueberry, but I feel like it has there 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 is different notes. I feel like the one that's purple in my out of the ones I had was uh, was more fruity blueberry muffiny like light like really light nice nice bright tones to it and then this guy right here is the all gas og that's one of my favorite strains from them that's just some funky heavy gassy asphalty it is yeah it is the best strain that i never knew i really wanted like <laughs> i didn't i didn't even know this thing existed and they gave it to me as a freebie and then I threw it down. I heard you say that, and I was like, "Oh, that's cool. Okay, maybe that's gonna be, maybe that's gonna be a winner." And I think I like this more than I like the blueberry muffin. Oh man, it's it's fire smoke. That is gonna, it'll slump some people. But uh, if you're a heavy smoker, that's that's like right up most heavy smokers' alleys. I'm a big fan of that strain. Oh yeah, I love that. I love this stuff, and I'm actually just getting over a big cold here now. And I I found that this actually really helps settle my stomach. And it kind of helped me get to sleep. I was super, super sick. I had a real bad case of the flu. I'm just getting over it now. We're happy you're but, feeling better and able to pop on and show off some of the buds and talk a little bit about the harvest. And uh, you're up there in the Great White North uh, in Canada, right? And uh, this is an outdoor crop or a greenhouse? Yes, this it? was. Yeah, this. Yeah, this was an outdoor garden, and it was just a regular full-term outdoor garden, and I just. Uh, built some dirt on top of the, the grass a couple of years ago and started uh, amending the soil periodically and I've added some wood chips and I've added some lactic uh, like some labs to it and uh, just what kind of played your harvest? Real quick before you Why? keep going I want to give Spartan Grown a chance because we went five minutes over uh, to give his final thoughts and shout out and head on over please. to the Michigan Bros Grow Show. Awesome, please do. No, that's okay. I I've been having a little bit of connection issue too. It seems like I'm getting a little bit of lag anyway. So I've been not trying to talk a lot, but no, thanks for the show guys. I really appreciate these shows when a lot of people jumped on like this show to see everybody's, uh, their grows. And it was really cool to see, uh, the finished bud this time too. So that was really cool. Um, but no, just shout out to chat. I'm not going to make this too long. Uh, it's great to see everybody. Great seeing everybody here on the show. Can't wait for the next uh, next week's show. And uh, you can guys catch me in like 10 minutes on the Michigan Bros Grow Show starting here uh, pretty soon. Great stuff. Thank you, Spartan. See you guys. Love, you buddy. He's out, Spartan. Later, Spartan. Later, Spartan. See you guys. We love Spartan. Fun fact on the Velvet Punch. I didn't originally make the F1. I was gifted that for my buddy Doja DNA. And um, I actually still have some of the F1 seeds. I thought I grew all of them out or gifted them back to him. I gifted back the Jack Spike Punch and another strain. But uh, now if I want to, I can go back and remake F2s again and uh, remake F3s because I have a bunch of F2 seeds. But yeah, it's kind of cool. Um, and also thinking about doing like a back cross to Purple Punch. 
because it's Purple Punch is one of the parents and I have Purple Punch as a clone available to me. So for people that are looking for Purple Punch from Seed, it'd be an easy cross for me to make. So just uh, some cool little updates on the Purple Punch or a Velvet Punch, I should say. And uh, I was really happy when I found those seeds because I didn't think I had any. So this opens up some new possibilities for like F1 to F2, F1 to F3 and things like that. All sorts of weird crosses back into each other and, and see what works best. But anyway, well, with that so being not- said, there's so many of us here tonight that I think I'm just going to go right into the uh, shout outs and starting first with the uh, guests. And uh, any final thoughts and shout outs from Dog Doctor? Gross love, guys. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. Uh, really appreciate it being here and chatting with you guys. And so it's, it's really nice that today we had a lot of guests. It's really cool. We see a lot of gardens and product and everything. Gross love to everybody. Uh, thank you to you all. Thank you, chat. I'm sorry I was not much in chat today. Uh, this sativa thing keeps me going, so I was doing a million things. Uh, I really need my indica rounds to finish fast. <laughs> Otherwise, that even the RSO is not working so much. It's crazy. Uh, anyway, you can find me at uh, Grow Diaries as Doc Doctor Official or Instagram as Doc Doctor Official. Also, you can hit me at any time. Grows love everybody. Keeps growing. Thank you for everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. And next up, Seed Person One. Thanks, Jack. Um, yeah, I'm Seed Person One on Instagram and Seed Person One at gmail.com. Um, man, two years ago when I started listening to this podcast uh, on Spotify, I, there's no way I would have known that I would be able to actually come on the show and like show off everything that I was learning as I was listening to it. So it's a real big honor for me. I appreciate everything that you guys do. And I'm a very loyal listener and uh, very appreciative of the time that you've given me. So thank you. Thank you. I, I do see your name in the chat every single week. And we talk in the DMs and I see you on Instagram. And you're one of the faithful members of this community. And I love to see you learning and growing along with all of us. So it's I'm happy that we're able to support you and you're able to support us by listening and showing up. And we're all learning together. So that's what it's all about. So thank you so much for showing off your garden tonight and uh, growing out the Velvet Punch, being one of the many people I've sent those seeds out to and been able to get them growing. Sorry if you're outside the U.S. I only send them to people inside the U.S. If you're inside the U.S. and you haven't got them and you want them, you can reach out to me. Uh, But with that said, JP from NB, you're up next. Thanks again for having me, guys. Always, always a pleasure popping on the show. yeah, that's really it. Really appreciate you having me. And cheers to all the panelists and all the guests that came on. Got to see some cool flowers and some awesome plants. That's always sweet. And looking forward to the next episode. Keep on chugging, guys. Thank you so much. It's fun to do this every week. I look forward to it. And uh, the comments uh, kind of agree that they this is something that a lot of people have built into their regular weekly schedule. And I'm happy to be a part of that. And I enjoy this as well. So next up, we've got Dr. MJ. Hey guys, I enjoyed the show as always. I'm happy to be part of it. I'm Dr. MJ Coco from CocoForCannabis.com. I finally got my my diodes video. So this is the science of horticultural LEDs and it's done. It's actually all uploaded to, to YouTube and everything right now, but I haven't fully scheduled the premiere. I think the premiere is going to be midday on Tuesday. At least that's what I'm I'm thinking for right now. So be sure to subscribe to my channel. This is the one where I actually go on camera for the first time. So I've been and, checking for it for weeks. Yeah, it's coming on Tuesday. I'm sorry. It's been so late. It's uh, It was a lot of work. <laughs> so hopefully you'll appreciate that when you watch it. But we're glad everybody likes it. it. I, I well worth it. Go ahead. Sorry, I just say well worth it. Well worth the wait. 
Hopefully, hopefully. I think, you know, a few people have already had the chance to, to preview it and the feedback's been really positive. So hopefully people will learn stuff that, you know, will help them be better growers in the garden. I get pretty deep into the science of, of how LEDs work and why we sort of use them the way we do in our gardens. Um, so that's coming on Tuesday. I hope everybody has a happy Halloween. Um, it's one of my favorite all-time holidays and it's tomorrow. So that's I'm not doing the premiere tomorrow. Uh, everybody be out, you know, partying and trick-or-treating and all of that good stuff. But um, yeah, you know, grow or love everyone. Enjoy your, your Halloween and uh, come and join me on Tuesday for the premiere. Great stuff and be safe and have fun. Any of those of you going out and uh, having any festivities going on, just be safe with your travel and with your families and all that good stuff. Next up, Matthew. I also want to re-emphasize that the uh, the chat was really cool to talk with. Uh, you know, Jack, you really emphasized the fact that uh, we've had a lot of people on recently who have been on the show for a long time. It's really cool to see uh, the personalities and the names that um, I can kind of put together. Uh, that you know, it's a it's sort of a ineffable thing that's very hard to quantify, but it's a great feeling um, for those who are just recently learning about me you can find a bunch of educational information on my youtube channel xenthanol same account that i use chat and chat uh, you can also find me on social media twitter and instagram at sync angel which you can also see when i'm talking here with my background on uh, the video and if you're excited for pest information i did recently do a powdery mildew video on the fcp02 youtube channel and i'll do a botrytis one in a few weeks upcoming. It's a deep dive. So if you've never interacted with it or if you want to learn more about it, I guarantee a lot of it is stuff you've probably never heard about, uh, but it can have you understand better this organism and then also ways to combat it empirically without a bunch of bro science and people not knowing how it works, specifically with genetic resistance. So take a look at that if that is interesting to you. I think that our community is uh, receptive to that and Doc's content, the scientific stuff. People really love that as we've seen with our science shows and uh, just putting out lots of informational content that people are trying to learn and grow and continue to get better with. So thank you guys for doing the research and, and sharing what you find. It's a uh, really important work and I'm thankful for everyone who's doing it and sharing it freely. So great stuff as always. And next up, we've got Noah the Grower. Yeah, I had a good time today. There were some interesting topics. It's cool to see everybody's grows and stuff. And uh, yeah, don't have a lot to say. I'm uh, Noah the Grow on Instagram. You can find me there, and I'll see everybody next week. Great having you as always. And last and certainly not least, the American one. Uh, first, shout out to everyone who came up and showed us their plants. That was awesome. Hopefully, maybe Rowdy come next week and get one. I know he's got a he had a room full of Amy's, which was looking awesome. But uh, Dog Doctor, Seed Person, and JP from MB, thanks a lot. Always, Jack, thanks for hosting. You always do an awesome job. And shout out to everyone in chat. Uh, and yeah, I'm the American one. I'm the American one underscore with underscore 18s on the IG. Most of you know where to find me. And yeah, thanks everyone for hanging out. Peace. Had a great time tonight. Uh, words really can't express the gratitude I have when people awesome people from this community who've been here supporting us for years show up and actually show off their garden and get to hang out and they're happy to be here you know that's like what a great thing people that you're 
thankful for being there are also thankful and happy to be here with you. It's a, a beautiful community. I'm really uh, humbled and honored to have awesome growers who are on the same journey that many of us are on, uh, sharing this experience together and just getting better together. And a lot of really positive, friendly, open people in this community. I can't uh, express enough how thankful I am. So you guys uh, just keep doing what you're doing. I can't can't express enough. Uh, it's it's great. It's awesome to be a part of. But if you want to find me, I'm at Jack Greenstock on Cannabis and Instagram. Jack underscore Greenstock is my backup account on Instagram as well as Twitter. And if you want to email me, if you're not on any social media, jackgreenstock47 at gmail.com. And lastly, if you would like a copy of a book about cannabis history, I wrote 50 Strains of Green that covers 50 different strains of cannabis that all grow and finish green on 50strains.com, 50strains.com if you want that. So thank you, everybody. Uh, great week. This was quite a wild one seeing everybody. It was so quick and fast seeing everybody on, but it was a lot of fun. Had a great time. And we will see you all next week. Peace and love.